This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn on this Mitch Marathon Month. It never ends. Well, in fact, it will at some point. But uh, I have got a great guest for you today on the phone all the way from uh, California. It is drummer Steve Riley of the reformed L.A. Guns or the new L.A. Guns. And uh, I'm going to have a co-host with me who actually saw L.A. Guns perform at the terrific M3 Festival in Maryland. We have got Dwayne Morano or Moreno on the line. Dwayne, please, a pleasure to have you with me. Oh, thanks, Mitch, for having me. Now, I do want to mention uh, a couple of things. I have recently uh, seen Tesla three nights in a row out with Def Leppard in Montreal, Ottawa, and Quebec. And you are also going to go see for Tesla for three dates in September, except, unlike me, you won't be in the audience you will be on the stage. You are opening three shows, September 18th in Washington, September 20th in Raleigh, North Carolina, and September 21st in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, before we get to M3 and Steve Riley, just talk to me about that uh, opening for, for Tesla. That's going to be kind of cool. You're, you're supporting your, your new album, Incognito, right? Tell, talk to me about that. Yep. Yeah, um, seeing opening for Tesla is definitely one of those things for me that kind of brings my musical life full circle because it was actually the first band I ever saw live back in 1985, I want to say it was, opening for David Lee Roth on the Eat em and Smile tour. So always been a huge fan of theirs. So it's really nice for me to actually be able to open for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, you'll both be coming at us live. So, so that's going to be terrific. <laughs> well, in fact... Let me ask you about this album, Incognito, and then I want to just quickly get to M3, but you look at who's on there. Michael Foster of Firehouse, Pat Badger of Extreme, Danny Vaughn, uh, Terry Illus, uh, who used to sing for Great White. Uh, who else? Uh, boy, uh, J.K. Northrup, Nita Strauss, uh, Kevin Fig Figueredo, <laughs> who I believe is the drummer for Extreme, and I can't pronounce his name. Uh, and you've also had Bill Leverty mixing it. Um, well, in fact, let me talk to me about working with Nita. I mean, Nita is one of the greatest guitarists out there right now on tour presently with Alice Cooper. How did you sort of get the guys from Extreme and Nita and all that to be on the album? I, um, Nita actually came to me because she was getting ready to record her solo CD and she was having a fundraiser going at the time. You know, being an Ibanez junkie myself, I already well knew who she was. And one of the things that she was putting on her fundraiser for her CD was she'd play on your CD if, you know, you donated a certain amount of money. So I thought about that and I was like, you know, that would be really cool because I've been following her for years. And, you know, it was a nice chance to actually work with her on something. So talk to the guys and said, hey, how would you guys feel about doing this? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Take the, you know, the young generation, take us older cats. Put them all together on one tune and see what happens. So we ended up doing the song Manhattan together. It's actually kind of cool, and it helped out a charity at the same time. So uh, is this the, the first solo album, or, or is this one of many? Um, this is the first one of hopefully many. So okay. I had a good time recording it. I got a lot of leftover material. So, you know, part two is definitely already in the works. Oh, good. And, and if uh, folks want to check it out, uh, I'm going to give you the Facebook one. You can give me the other one after, but you can head over to Facebook.com, Dwayne Moreno Music, D-U-A-N-E-M-O-R-A, 
and O Music uh, to check that out. But you also have another one that that you want to yeah. send folks to. Yeah, you can go to morano.hearnow.com, and that'll have all the links for Spotify, my website, DwayneMorano.com, and a, um, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other socials. Oh, that's that's great. Now, okay, in May, you and I got a chance to to be in the same room and, and chat at the uh, Sheridan uh, part of the M3 Festival, and we both had a chance to see Steve Riley's L.A. Guns. And I think like most fans, at least uh, that I was speaking to, I went in there thinking, well, this is just going to be awful. I mean, this is this is going to be uh, horrible. And then they played and I went, wow, OK, that was really good. Um, how did you go into that that L.A. Guns show? Were you expecting a disaster and they turned you around or were you expecting it to be great and they were great? How, how did you take the whole L.A. Guns Steve Riley thing? I got turned around on it. You know, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, you read all the little Facebook comments about, you know, fake L.A. guns and everything else. So, you know, you see people that have seen him before trashing the guy, but then he comes out on stage and just blows you away. You know, I mean, the, the set was really good. It was strong and the music was there. You couldn't fault it, you know, and, and it's a shame to see him getting that sort of negative publicity from fans, you know, by not giving it a chance. Yeah, I, yeah I, that, that's my take. Yeah, that, I, I agree. I, I think a lot of people, because uh, I was walking around in the stands and stuff and people were talking, and, and I think a lot of people just expected it to be terrible and they were going to throw eggs up on the stage and it was going to, you know, they were going to uh, crucify him. And then they played. And I think you could just look out in the audience and seeing people's faces, they were like, oh, wow. And of course, uh, that was going to be the only show. And because I think it was so good, they are now booking uh, a whole uh, fall tour, tour dates into next year. They 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 changed uh, agents. They went from one over to uh, TKO, which if folks know anything about the industry, TKO is one of the biggest bookers, especially for 80s acts. Um, it, it, boy, you know, M3 woke, woke the giant, I think. I, I, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So, all right. Shall we get over to Steve? Sure. Let's let's get over to Steve and let's remind the folks that uh, Morano has a new album out called Incognito. Head over to morano.herenow.com to uh, pick up the album. Do check out the dates with Tesla because anything with Tesla is worth checking out. And here, without further ado, it is uh, the one, the only, drummer for LA Guns, Steve Riley. We are speaking with a drummer, Steve Riley of L.A. Guns. A good day, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good, Mitch. How you doing, brother? Good, good. So, you know, before the M3 Festival in May, and by the way, one of the greatest festivals uh, that you can have, Eric Baker does exactly. a fantastic job. Um, totally. You were telling me that you didn't know what the future of your version of L.A. Guns was going to be. It was, it was just the one show, and we're going to go have some fun, and we'll see. Exactly, and what you know, Mitch, I tell you, when that's exactly how Kelly and, and I went into it. We were going to go have a lot of fun and play this festival and really just see what happens if another festival came up or whatever. But we weren't going to make uh, plans to go out, like I said, I told you earlier this year, to go and do 125 shows. We weren't going to do anything like that. But um, we, t we went into it with two rehearsals. 
we had never really played together on stage. And uh, I, I, I just feel so fortunate. I lucked out with Scotty Griffin and Kurt Folick. I already knew what Kelly Nichols and I sounded like. We're, we're the foundations for all of the songs that people like from LA Guns. I know that we play great together. And I knew we were going to sound good right off the bat together. And he's picked it up right away. I mean, he was right on top of it, Kelly. But with Kurt and, and Scotty switching to lead guitar and getting Kurt, who also is a lead guitar player, and, and we feel like we picked up two great vocalists and two great guitar players and just all around great musicians. So we went into it knowing that we were going to sound good. We were going to absolutely sound good and we were going to have fun. But we didn't realize after, uh, that the, the response was going to be so good. It was really, really good. Of course, like, you know, it was like 80, 20. There was about 20% that will never like, you know, those people that will never, ever even accept anything except for what they like. But I, I couldn't believe, and even Kelly, too, about the good response from this show, how people loved the way it sounded. It was tight as a doornail. I was blown away myself because... I didn't really know how tight or good we were going to sound. And we really clicked. And uh, the response was amazing, you know, right after the show. And then that following week after M3, a lot of stuff happened. We got this Vegas show that we're doing with D Snyder tonight. I mean, this week in, uh, in uh, Vegas. And it's on the 27th. And uh, we got that show. And it's the type of show we would want to do. It's a nice outdoor amphitheater show. And um, stuff started happening really quick after that. I got a call from an agency. I've been working with ARM and John Domical for years and years, you know, and we have a really good friendship and uh, we're, we're really tight. And I got a call from TKO agency and it's uh, they're an agency that has a lot, a lot of artists on it and a lot of people all over the place. And they're, they're based in London and Nashville and L.A. and New York. So they're a really nice big op operation. And they called and they wanted to know if we would like them to represent us. And it came out of the blue to call. And, uh, and would we be interested in being pitched on the rat dates rat is booked all the way to the summer, right into the early fall. And then after that, they're going on and on, meaning across the seas and all kinds of stuff abroad, plus more uh, us and North American stuff. Uh, so they asked if we wanted to do that. And I was totally taken aback by outside and I was like, wow, yeah, you know, I mean, we would obviously want to do that because those are the type of venues we want to do, which is amphitheaters, fairs, casinos, those type of things that are, uh, they're a little bit more together and they're a light ticket too. So we're not, it's not on our shoulders. So those are the type of shows we would love to do. And, uh, I said yes, and they said that I would need to have them represent me too, represent LA Guns. And uh, so we're with TKO now. So a lot of stuff happened right after M3, and that was one of them. That was one of the big things. And uh, that's the kind of response we got. And me and Kelly, we were like, you know, blown away, man, because we couldn't believe it. And then is that you, your stuff that we're seeing on Blabbermouth, Mitch, that you filmed? 
Um, the the very footage. The very first hour after your show went up, I had put some footage on my Twitter and stuff, and they and they used it. They did. Yes, yes, yeah, because that stuff sounded. I was wondering what kind of phone you were using because the iPhone eight plus, a good old iPhone eight plus. I'll tell you, brother, the mic in it, you picked up that show. Because I even saw the four, five camera uh, shot that M3 does. I've got that here. But it's a board feed, and you know what that's like. It's real dry. You can hear the kick drum really loud, and it's dry and not the, no vocal. So it's all screwed up. And uh, But the footage that you shot was invaluable because you caught the whole show. And you caught the whole flow of the show. And that's what people saw. They saw that. And I've done interviews since then. And they saw it and they were blown away. They were like, wow. So, I mean, that footage you shot and, and, and got up on the web really, really helped us. And that was the footage TKO looked at also. And uh, and they were so impressed that they want to represent us now. So this is taking a big swing. We thought we were going to do we knew the summer was booked and you know maybe a, a show a couple yeah, of shows in the Steve, fall Steve go, but, go back you know, up a second because you, you said TKO and then the audio dropped out for, for about three seconds so yeah you, well, we, we are with TKO agency now and uh, I, I told you I was with Domical and ARM for years and they gave us uh, the blessings because their blessings to go do this with TKO agency because TKO represents RAT, and whoever they're going to pitch for the RAT tour that goes on through the late fall, winter, and into 2020, they want to represent them too. They want the whole show, and I understand they would they they don't want to deal with another agency. So I got the blessing from ARM, and we are now with TKO agency, and they're pitching us for the RAT dates that will start in late 2019, going into 2020. And so, you know, I got to tell you, Mitch, it took a real wild turn after that show. It was, uh, you know, we did so well. And uh, like I said, Kurt and, and, and Scotty stepped up big. So, so it, we're, we're thrilled right now, you know. We really are. We can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. So, so let me ask you, just, to, just so I'm very clear, there is a rat L.A. Guns, Steve Riley L.A. Guns, package coming up in the fall or early 2020 yeah what's wow. happening is okay we know that, now we're talking yeah, we know yeah i know that's why you're the first one that i told about that and uh we are with tko agency and uh they needed us to be on their roster for us to be pitched we looked at this schedule while we had a big old round table phone call with all the agents over there and me and uh we know that they are booked already through the whole summer going right into the fall. And so those aren't dates that we're going to be getting on. Those are already booked. The budgets are already set. So where are we are being pitched for anything after those shows? It could be late 2019, but certainly 2020. So right now that's where me and Kelly Nichols are at right now. We're, we, it took a major turn, so we're being pitched for that right now. I mean, I've got the flyer right in front of me with the rat L.A. gun stitch and from TKO going out to all of the buyers. Wow. And it, I know, I know. It, Mitch, i got to tell you, 
<laughs> people might think they, oh yeah, I've been thinking about this. How am I going to do this for two years? I'm thinking, yeah, I got to come up with a plan. No, this thing came on like gangbusters. First, the call from Eric Baker to do M3, something I turned down for two years. I told you that. And then I finally said, I called Kelly and said, you want to go have some fun and do this? The other guys don't want to do this show. And it's the best show in the States. I'm sorry. It's the best show in the States. There's no excuse not to do M3. There's none in my book as with my manager hat on. There's no excuse not to do that show. It is the best well put on show for our genre in this country. And I would actually put it up against anything. Sweet, Swedish rock, Sweden rock, all of it. This show is put on the best way with Eric Baker and Brad. They do a fantastic job. So I called Kelly and I'm telling you, there was no scheme. There was no plan. We were like, let's go have fun. And now it's turned into this. And, you know, we already knew we were going to, if we played a show, M3, and we were going to get any other shows, it was going to be us sitting around in the summer and not doing shows. They were already booked. So we were already accepting that. And we're in the same boat right now, only we're being pitched for a tour that could happen here and over in the UK and in Europe. And there's a lot of places LA Guns and Rack can go. So. Canada, all of North America, South America, there is a lot of place. And I know Piercy and Rob and um, Juan, Juan really want to play a lot right now. I know they've been through a lot, too, with everything they went through for the last four or five years. It cost those guys a fortune to do that. And I don't blame them. They fought it. And uh but you know they want to play right now that's why they got tons of dates they're doing all the way through right into the fall and then tko has big plans for them to keep going on they wanted to know if we wanted to do it and that's where we're at it's amazing it's it's remarkable where we've come from i think we spoke in april i guess it was just before the, the may dates and and that's right at the time, you hadn't even told me who the singer was, and, and so so I'm going to ask right. you about the singer, but I will say this about M3, and, and hopefully Eric Baker is listening. It is the best festival uh, that I attend, and the only way to make yep. it better is if Eric gave me uh, access to catering. That would make it terrific. <laughs> I love it. That would make me yeah. – ter- that, that, that would put it over the top instead of having to stand it. outside the glass windows going, somebody bring me a bun. No, um, but Kirk... Exactly. <laughs> hey, and it's, it's not as like a festival. When you look at it as a festival, you've been all over the world yep. at festivals. Oh, yeah. This thing runs so smooth. The accommodations are fantastic. And the after show is fantastic. The people are all cool. It's just a really, really good time. Everybody's having a great time. And... Uh, Hey, you know, Mitch, and then you go back to the really Sheridan, quick. and all the bands are hanging out with no attitude, and, and fans can walk up and nah. get a picture and get an autograph, and 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 they can buy each other a beer, and it's just it's it's a family reunion, and it's run spotlessly. I mean, it's it's ter- and of course they they give you board feeds of of all your stuff, which is very cool. Not all, not every festival does that. So oh no, you know, and just even the staging. And the back line that they provide for you, they do the LED 
backdrops so everybody's backdrop looks great and just everything is done right and the reason you need to do this festival and you don't turn it down is because of the notoriety of it too everybody knows m3 it's the big festival to do so like i just will um i will never change about that mitch there's no reason why you don't do this show you have to work around this show so it's on your schedule agreed and listen even as a reporter i work around it i've i i had opportunities i'm trying to think who it was this year but there were some other bands that were actually playing in montreal i could just stayed home and gone to them and i went nope right right i I gotta drive out uh two years ago i missed uh, george thurgood in montreal to go down to m3 you you just have to do it yeah um but okay exactly yeah, exactly. Let, let me ask you about Kirk, uh, Kurt Froelich. Um, mm-hmm. In April, you 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 were like, "Well, we're going to announce it soon," and so on and so forth. What? Because because uh, I, you know, the other names had been mentioned. Where did you find Kurt? How did he come to your attention? Why him over some of the other names that were pitched to you? Um, and I've got to say, listen, I'm going to be honest, honest. I saw the M3 performance. I thought it was great. I really thought the band sounded great. And my only criticism is just every so often on some of the phrasing, the inflection that Phil has just wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I just need that. And that's totally understandable. But, but that's okay. Because you know, you're, de- yeah, you're dealing that's with material that you're so familiar with. Of and course. I totally understand that. But, but and, and that's a minute that's a minute observation, right. you know, that, that overall, it was a fun set to watch. It was fun to see th- songs like Nothing Better to Do pop out there and stuff that you don't see anymore. Um, but where did he come from? How, how did he come to your attention? Okay, you know, like, you know, I obviously, from when I accepted this, like, late last year, then January and February, well, me just reaching out to see and looking at people's videos on YouTube and people telling me, check this guy out. And uh, we didn't actually get together with anybody, not anybody. There was no singer that we auditioned before Kurt. There was no singer that I even really sat down with. There were singers that I talked to on the phone, a couple of them, but they, there were also no rehearsals. So what happened was I reached out to some people, and I don't know if you know Jason Green. He's, he's, he lives in Vegas, and he's a yeah, promoter. Yeah, uh, Sin, Sin City, City Sitters or, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, and that's Jason. And so Jason said to me, you should check out this guy. And uh, I, the first thing I noticed that he said was he had filled in when uh, Tammy left Faster Pussycat. So off the bat, I was like, oh, you know, and he goes, but he's done a bunch of other stuff too. And he's really, really great. You should just check him out. And um, I started looking at his videos for some of the stuff that he has an original band and some cover bands that he did. And I was so impressed. I was watching him do some very hard material, Bowie material and stuff like that. That was very difficult. When you think of doing a Bowie song, you would think of doing an easy song like Suffragette City or something. You know, he did Ashes to Ashes, and I'm a big Bowie fan. And I was like, wow, it takes big balls to do something like that live, you know, to cover that song. And so I kept checking out stuff, and then I finally called him. And uh, I called him, I think, in late February, and 
he was totally into it. And then we set up rehearsals out here in Los Angeles. We flew everybody out, Scotty from Vegas and Kelly came in from New York and then we flew and Kurt was in Orlando. That's where he lives or Florida. So well, we flew everybody out and we did a three day rehearsal. We were already digging on Kurt and we had nobody else scheduled. There was no like line of guys who were, who were singing or even anybody who we had done before Kurt got there. This was the first rehearsal for me and Kelly and Scotty with anybody and in fact with us alone it was the first time together so we got together in a nice big room out here that had a big stage over cascade and uh it was the big showcase room because i knew we were going to be going right to a big stage at m3 so let's get on one right now and uh we did the first day mitch was like us talking and jamming around on the songs and i would really say we had two really good days of rehearsal and I found him through Jason Green and then looking at all the other projects he did. He looked like he was somebody who I know a bunch of guys like this who are so talented, yet never really got a break or maybe got a little bit of a break. Because, you know, he was uh, he was in a ton of projects, too, that were all good. And everybody was very well aware of him in Vegas. But he just never got a break. And. I just think he stepped up big. When he came to rehearsal, Kelly and I told him, we don't expect you to sound just like Phil, and we don't even really want you to sound just like Phil. You have a great voice. Try to make it comfortable, because we know Phil sings in this real high range a lot, you know, a range that was almost dangerous, because he's got to keep doing it into his older years. and. When, when singers record something in a high range, sometimes they regret it. Sometimes they don't. But those are all high range songs. And we told them, put them in a comfort zone. And we knew it was going to change some inflection. But we also knew that if he was confident up there, it was going to be okay. It was going to be good. He was going to be truthful to the song and, and, and faithful to it. And then his guitar playing was just an added thing. I didn't know he was that good. He plays lead guitar. So him and Scotty together playing guitars, I think we sound as solid as this band has ever really sounded musically. We the three, Those two guitars with me and Kelly on rhythm, it just it really, really clicked. And so... That's where we got Kurt. He's been a guy that's been floating around and he moved over back to Orlando and he does a bunch of like solo acoustic gigs for corporations and he works all the time singing and playing his guitar, but he's thrilled to be doing this. And again, he's one of the first guys to throw praise at Phil. He was a big fan of LA Guns. He will never say anything bad about Phil because he's a big fan of his and he loved what Phil did. And, uh, he just hopes that he can do his own thing and put his own little mark on it. If we're going to have fun with this and, and do this. And, uh, I, I, I locked out with Kurt. That's how I feel. Kelly feels it too, because we didn't audition a bunch of people and, you know, we didn't want, we needed somebody who could play guitar. We couldn't be a three piece. We needed to be a, a thick sound. And that sound that we got at M3 was really, really thick. And we were pushing air off the stage and we were impressed. So that's where Kurt's at. And you know where Scotty's at. Scotty just blew us away because I, I knew he could play guitar, but that well, I didn't know. And I didn't know he was going to feel that comfortable with the guitar. So 
everything really just kind of clicked on that show. And it was like, wow, this is really, really fun. This is cool. And, um, it's all, it's turned into this thing now where we're with a different agency and we're not going to do club dates. If we do club dates, there'll be a few of them here and there that we can match up with some festivals and outdoor gigs or casinos or something like that. But we're not going to do a steady diet of club shows and play like me and you talk, you know, 400 miles outside a major city. That's we, I, I did that. I can't really do that anymore, you know. Right. No, no playing in the sticks for you. But OK, so let me ask you this. Uh, because his voice is is different and, and he, he's doing his own thing. Do you see yourselves putting out a live album or, or some live recordings, even the M3 set just to say, OK, listen, this is what this L.A. gun sounds like, because I think uh, speaking as a fan that it would be nice to have right. a collection that you could go all right, I'm going to go see this band tonight. This is what I'm going to get. And this is what Ballad of Jane sounds like with Kurt. And this is what Sex Action sounds like. That, and then also, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, is there plans for, for doing something like that? But then also, furthermore, doing a L.A. Guns album with this lineup. Well, here's the thing. You know, we, it's such a whirlwind. We're talking about in a six-month span this came to light. It, like I said, no grand scheme, nothing. We weren't even thinking about Kelly was doing his thing in New York. I was doing my thing out here. We talked briefly or over the years, you know, and he came and saw us play when I was with Phil or with Tracy when we were in New York and we, we maintained a great relationship, but we weren't talking all the time. So, you know, what happened was, there was like some weird timing with uh, with Phil too, with Kelly. I guess him and he, he he blasted Kelly on the internet. It really hurt Kelly. He didn't know where it came from. So all of this timing happened at the same time, and uh, so with with Kelly and me, it's been only six months. We haven't really thought past even this Vegas show that we're doing on the twenty seventh this July. And we're, we're just taking it. We know we're being pitched for the rat thing. And that's great. If we can get some rat shows, even if we don't get the whole tour, if we don't go to a certain country with them, if we can get some rat tours, that would be great because we would have a lot of fun doing those. But doing music, I got to tell you, you know, Kelly writes, obviously, you know, he wrote Ballad of Jane. And and he, he wrote a whole bunch of stuff for L.A. Guns. So he writes right. really right. well, good stuff. And I got a ton of stuff, too, that's written that I had done with a partner from Chicago, Tommy Hall. And I got a lot of great stuff. And so doesn't Kurt and Scotty. So, like, if we continue on and we do some rat shows, we're really going to take it day by day. But we already talked about, uh, you know, we're already we're sitting on a whole bunch of songs right now too so that's nice to know too that all of us have this material if that did take that turn it's not in the cards like we, we don't have anything planned to do that but we know that we could do it if we wanted to and things are taking a quick turn with us changing agencies and doing and being pitched for rat it's something that we didn't expect so we're really going day by day and saying Let's just have fun with this. Let's not get on the internet and and freak out in, in, in on anybody. Let's just go have fun with the whole thing. And 
That's pretty much Kelly and me's thing right now, Mitch, is drama-free. We have to be drama-free if we're going to do this. It can't be an uptight situation with any member of the band or anything. So we feel like we got four good guys that can work with each other. And I know we could record with each other if it took that turn. That would be real easy to put together. And put four songs up on iTunes or something. That's like something that is a definite possibility. If we continue on like this, it could, it could be some fun. It could be, it could be a hoot for the lack of a better word. But, I know. but let me ask you this. Uh, Mick Cripps, of course, was with the band at the beginning. He has mm -hmm. fallen off the radar, at least my radar. I don't know what he's up to. Any thought of maybe trying to reach out to him and get a third original member in there or, or, if not, whatever happened to Mick? Do you, do you still well, ever talk to him? Yes. In fact, yesterday, well, I've been talking to him like a lot lately because we're trying, you know, because me, him and Kelly, him and Kelly stayed best friends. I mean, best friends. They talked all the time. They would see each other when Kelly came out here to see his daughter and they were just, they were real best friends and they maintained that through LA guns all the way up to today. Me, I always got along with Mick and Kelly. Always. There was never any bullshit between us in any form at all. I could see that with Phil and Ch Tracy too, you know, but obviously there was this manufactured bullshit too that really is, is that came out of left field. But with Kelly and and Mick, I've stayed really good friends with them. And lately, the three of us have been talking a lot, you know. And they, they, he's playing with the band. He's got his own band with Nigel Moog from uh, from uh, London Choir Boys. The London London well, Choir Boys. Yeah, which and became the Choir the Boys. Oh, that's right, yeah, the, Brutalist. the Brutalist. I've heard of the Brutalist and. And by the yeah, way, yeah. London Choir Boys, which became the Choir Boy, what a terrific yeah. fucking band! What a terrific band! Oh, yeah. sex, uh, not Sex Action, um, Sex Party. What a great song! Um, I'll, I'll tell you what we did. We took them out on a tour here in the U.S. like in '88 or '89, and that was a really good tour with L.A. Guns and the Choir Boys and. It was really hot. The time was great. The perfect time to do it. So the Choir Boys, we always thought they were great. They were great friends too. Yeah, and and, and not to bring it back to Phil, but I think Phil and Spike are are, are good friends as well. So no, great, great, great combination. Um, let me just remind the folks: live in Las Vegas, Saturday, July twenty seventh, at the Sunset Station Amphitheater. It is Dawkin, D. Snyder, and L.A. Guns. Uh, they, I wish I was in Vegas, quite frankly. I think that's going to be a terrific show. I do, too. And, you know, I think that we're going to lock out, too, because it's just three bands. I think that, you know, obviously, Dee will do a sound check and Dawkins will do a sound check. And then we're going to actually maybe get the stage. That was the other thing about M3, Mitch. We didn't have a sound check. Nobody does there, but we didn't have a sound check. So we really did have <laughs> two days that we were in a studio in L.A., and then get right on stage and plug in and play. That impressed me because that's kind of hard to do. You really have to have your shit together as a musician to be able to dial your, your instrument in in that first half of the first song and, and, and do it and just jump on it and do it. And, you know, it impressed me that these guys did that and they, they didn't even hesitate at all.
It, it was it was just absolutely terrific. And and I want to ask you something about the the website LA Guns. Dot net. Uh, right. and, and this, I'm going to make it personal for a second. On there, uh, when you check the history of the band, there's three decades, countless world tours, millions of records sold, and there's all right. the album covers except one. L.A. Gun, L.A. Guns Wasted is not there. And Why isn't it up there, really? Well, yeah, well, I'm looking at it right now, and... And the reason I ask is because, as you know, I I helped finance that record, and I think yes. it's a, I think it's a terrific freaking record, and I still have oh, I still have a box too. of them here. I have a box of them here if anybody wants to buy one. But um, let me ask you that about was a that great record. I want to get that up there. I'm going to make a note of that and make sure somebody puts that up there because I love that album too. I thought that that EP that we did was great, and I just thought that. Ralph was great in the band too. At that point, we were just on fire, and there's some videos on YouTube of that, and uh, it, it, it was a kick-ass band. It was. So I, I just want to ask you just quickly about that, just because I was involved with it. I remember I was uh, where I was, and you would phone me and you'd say, "Hey, we've got these demos," right. and you would send me "Wasted," and you'd send me "Heavy Heavy Head" and "Forgiving Eyes," and I. And you know, when you're involved in the process, maybe you're biased, and you just think, "Wow, it's, those are fucking great." But right. but I really think a song like "Forgiving Eyes" or "Wasted" just didn't get their due, and and may, maybe maybe just maybe as you go out on a tour with with Rad and, and you have a longer set, maybe resurrect one of those classics because it. I know it, it's it, it's anyway. But then when I saw on the website that the picture wasn't there, I went, "Uh oh, is there something? Do they, have, so, do they was, have something against this that, album? <laughs> you know? You know what? And we really didn't. And we were on a roll. We were actually doing our own dates with Ralph when that was happening. And we were, do, we were on a couple of rat shows too, when there was the original band was out and, uh, they had Kladner, John Kladner out with them. And John Kladner watched our set from the side of the stage with Ralph. And we obviously started the show with three or four oldies. And then the whole middle of the set was the new stuff that we were doing. And then we would just close it out with the oldies. But uh, he was so impressed, and he thought it was great. And he was really hot at the time. He still had things going, Claudia. And uh, but that was it happened fast, Mitch, too, because Ralph didn't want to do the original thing anymore. He was really, really hesitant about doing it. He had already done the stuff with uh, the the Van Halen thing, the Atomic Punks. And he wanted to go back and do that. And he did that and more. He did. Now he's doing this Neil Panther thing. So for people who don't know, yeah, for people who don't know, Ralph uh, on the L.A. Guns Wasted EP is Michael Starr in That's Steel right. Panther. And and this weekend you'll be in Las Vegas doing your stuff. Uh, Michael and Steel Panther will be here in Montreal at Heavy Montreal. So I'll be seeing that. So. I will oh, get right a, on, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, tell Michael I said hi and I love him. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, so I, I, I was just curious. I was like I said, I was looking at the LA Guns dot uh, net, and I was like, well, why don't they have this album? Like, it's it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a it's a good fucking EP. Like, why? You know, I love it. But it yeah. was recorded great too. It sounds killer. I just wish that had a chance to get a going because we had five more songs to give you to do a full album but 
it, that's when Ralph left. We had them already written. They were already done. And we, uh, we demoed them on stage. And uh, we were ready to do a full album. But, but Ralph quit. And so we just moved on. And that's when we got throwback. And I'm sorry. That's when Jizzy came. Jizzy got in the band. Yeah, Jizzy came in. And, and, and anyway, well, <laughs> you know, listen, it... it uh, it is what it is, but it was a great moment, and we do have the cover of sure uh, Cold Gin on there by Kiss, which I remember. That's uh, right. That's right. And if I'm not mistaken, when we were recording that, it must it was the same day or the day after Lady Di had her accident in, in France. So I remember yes. seeing it on TV and, and talking to the guys about, oh my God, Lady Di. That, that's sort of my memory of that. Anyway, yeah. um yeah, that was right about that same time, right? Same time, um, and I and I had yeah. a I had a I had an incredibly long discussion with uh, Tracy Guns over Kiss's "Creatures of the Night" being one of their best albums and <laughs> the greatest drum sound. So, you know, <laughs> you know, that, that's good memories. But uh, on that, I, I will I will have to wrap up. I have an interview scheduled right after, but uh, always a okay. pleasure. And this will be up uh, immediately. Uh, so right so on. fans can hear it. And uh, listen, for all the naysayers, this L.A. Guns is a fun time. I saw them at M3. It, w- it was terrific. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people went there wanting to hate the band. I think there was this perception that I don't care what they do. I'm going to fucking hate them. And then people saw them and, and I heard them talking. They were like, oh, that's pretty fucking good. Huh. I know, yeah. I know. That's what that's the reaction <laughs> right? we got. They didn't want to like us. No, they, they didn't. Said, wow, I ended up digging it. Yeah, uh, I mean, really, I, I was, so, I was in the fans. I, you know, I'd go out front and stuff, and I'd hear the fans going, uh, "It's not, it's not L.A. Guns without." The... And then you played, and they went, "Well, you know, I have to admit that was pretty good." <laughs> and, I appreciate that, Mac. I'm, 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 Mitch. I'm glad that you guys are. Uh, Dug it, man, because it means a lot to me and Kelly too that we that we pulled it off and that it, that it went over so well. And like I said, this whole new thing is happening, so we're going to go day by day, and then I'll I'll fill you in as what as thing goes on. And when we start getting dates, I'll let you know. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And if you add Mick Cripps in, well, you know. Hey, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what? We were talking about Mick, and real quick about Mick Cripps. I love him, too, and I just talked to him yesterday. I'll probably talk to him later on today. No, no, no. We had asked him. Me and Kelly totally put our hand on and said, come on, do this. And he said, he goes, yeah, I just want you guys to understand. I'm really having fun with the Brutalists right now. And we do. We understand that him and his brother, and they're having fun doing that thing together. And uh, But we're so tight. But, yes, the offer for Mick is never ending he can come and join us anytime he wants yeah well i think that would be great and and i just want to say one thing just as as a rock reporter uh you know i love both versions of the band so i, I don't want people to think that because i'm interviewing one it means i'm not uh supporting the other i support right. both and and i think there's room for both and i know i'm gonna get uh, yelled at by some for for having done this but you know we're all here to celebrate <laughs> We're all here to celebrate music and celebrate rock, and, and as it should be. Yeah, you know what? I tell you what, we're, we're so connected to these songs, me and Kelly, and so connected to the band that we feel at home doing it. We know that it's not the whole original band. That's, uh, that's almost an impossibility in some situations. But the whole thing is is that if we're going to have fun with this, that's the main reason to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
people think it's a cash grab. No, that would have been the grand scheme would have been a cash grab. I've been planning it. No, no, there's not no plan here. We are going on day by day right now, and we're going to see what happens with this with these rap dates if they come through, if some of them come through. But um, yeah, absolutely no plan here. We are like running on like just like whatever happens right now and have fun with it. And I'll say this about anybody who says a cash grab. So what? Even if it was, I mean, we all are in in business to make money so that we can pay the rent. And we, I mean, so what? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you can't I can't like fault anybody no. for wanting to do 200 shows a year or 100 or 50 no. shows. It, it's really, you know, totally it is something that we've worked on for so long, too. And we'd like to go play and get paid to do it. But, you know, I tell you what, right now at our age and where we're at in life, we we really need to have fun with this because our whole career and most bands' careers are like draped in drama, you know? And we just want this to be a total drama-free thing. And I think we could pull it off and have fun with it. I, I think you can. And what I saw backstage at M3 was four guys having fun with each other. You were, there, were laugh, there was no, I'm sitting in this corner and I'm on this side of the building. You, you hung out together. You, you, you ate together in the catering. I saw you through the window because I wasn't allowed in. Um <laughs> It's terrible. We're going to have to talk to Eric about that. But, Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kirk came out and talked to fans. He talked to, to people backstage. You talked to, to, to me and Mark Striegel. And there was just, there was no attitude. There was no FU things. It was just, we're going to play. We're going to have some fun. And a lot of the haters out front went, huh, okay. Yeah, that, that really meant a <laughs> so, lot. So it was too. a great that evening. Was really cool. It was a great evening, you know. That's it. I agree. Totally. Thank you, sir. I, I unfortunately have to get over to a Corky Lang of a mountain. Hey, know, right on. Right? Tell hey. him I send my best. I've never met him, but tell him I send my best. And I know. I you're a fan. Big fan, right? Oh, big, yeah. big fan. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, big fan. He's got a new book uh, to, 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 to check out. But uh, thank you, sir. Okay. Always a pleasure. All right. Listen, Mitch, thank you too, brother. And I will talk to you real soon, okay? Cheers now. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Rock Talk.